Hello, friends. My guest today is a very intelligent young lady that I have known for many years. She has insight on many topics and ideas, and I value her opinion greatly. I basically spent three days talking to her about a ton of shit, of which here you will see and hear about 90 minutes. With so much love, here is my friend Cassie Cohn. My, uh, my map still thinks home is Portland. Yeah. I know I don't really use it that way, so but it is funny. Like even on my when I'm logged in on my desktop, it's like to do directions. It's like oh, from eighteen six whatever it was, eighteen thirty five uh, northeast sixteenth. Nice. <laughs> like, oh no. It knows you're coming back at some point. <laughs> Probably not to the city. I don't think. No. It's getting for well. It's getting. It was getting pretty. Um, full of, like what that was 2018, and the previous year it was getting increasingly nutty. It went from like. We have our our homeless who live on the street that we kind of keep an eye out for that are basically our neighbors to there's like mentally ill people on drugs, threatening people in cars over the course of two years. I don't I don't think I'll go back to exactly that neighborhood. (laughs) That might change. You think that neighborhood's bad, too? That well, we were in this kind of cool situation where we were on the border of Irvington and uh, where the Lloyd Center whatever that area is called, like literally like the last apartment building before you get into the nice houses. So mm-hmm. it was sort of this nice neighborhood and the apartments were really nice, but you got that kind of spillover from Lloyd Center Park. Yeah. So you would get some shady characters and that increased over the years that we were there. Yeah. Like with, you know, lots of like threats and we were worried about our older neighbors getting like hurt. Well, yeah, and you were on the bottom floor too, right? We sw- we were for the first few years, and then we moved to the upstairs. Yeah, which was a little fancier, better yeah. lighting, and warmer, <laughs> and safer. Seemed safer, but uh, yeah, Portland seems not so great at the moment. But back to Oregon, maybe. Yeah, that yeah. might happen. Well, where, where would you go? Um, I, we're kind of considering the coast. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh, yeah, we I talked about Coos Bay. Yeah, I love seafood. My mom was born in California and is a painter and always paints the beach. And I have this idea. We moved here because my parents were here. I have this idea that she needs to get back to the beach. I think she agrees. Uh, and she finally, she brought up, I think the Oregon coast would be a good place to go. And I was like, okay, I could live on the ocean. Like, I'm more a deciduous forest person, but mm. I could totally live on the beach and eat seafood for a while. Yeah, just go out on the, the sand <laughs> with your shovel. Get some clams. <laughs> have you ever done that before? No. Our cl- what are the ones that are in the really, like, you have to wear? Is that oysters that are in the shells that will cut you? Uh, not well, clams. these clams, they're difficult. It, it's not worth it. You've you, gone clamming? Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> it's so fun to catch them, but you got to take them back and you got to cut them out and then you got to pry it open and then cut all the, the guts and juices out and stuff. And I would like to try. It takes so long. It's not even worth it. You're done. You're like, I don't even want to eat these anymore. <laughs> That's God. James is not into shellfish at all. Like he will, like he likes lobster now, but he like crabs. He doesn't feel like it's worth the like. It's a lot of work. I think that's why I like shrimp. Cause they're pretty easy. You just <laughs> eat them. They're just ready to go. Well, they have shells. Yeah, but I get them. Oh, you, know. you get them all manicured. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just throw them in the skillet with some butter. That is good. Six minutes later, you're munching. You get more flavor with the shell if you cook them in the shell. Really? Mm-hmm. If you're getting that. enough flavor without the shell, who cares? But Yeah, you just add more butter. 
more butter, more garlic. Butter makes everything better. It's true. Uh, well, okay. So what I what I want to start with, we'll keep all that. But what I want to start with is uh, censor sens- censorship. Easy for you to say. Are you trying to like Not keep really. it from getting censored? <laughs> it already is. Because I can't say the word. <laughs> the uh, c word. Yeah, I mean, we, already taken. we we talked a lot about it last night, but um, it is scary to me w- the direction things are going, where you're not, I mean, one of the main tenets of the founding of this country was freedom of speech. And we're getting into this area now where corporations can choose whether or not you're on their platform, which I understand from a business perspective, but you've got people that are basically getting erased because of ideas they have, which seems crazy. For a wrong thing or wrong say. Yeah. It is pretty crazy. Uh, and I think, I think it's, it's, it's been coming for a while um, to some degree. And I'm, I'm more familiar with this because of my husband's work on his podcast and with working with his colleagues and which, um, since I got furloughed from my day job, I've been a little more involved in, not that I haven't been involved for the last 16 years, but like more actively involved. Um, it's, I think I see kind of two things happening. There's a thing happening where there's this big push to be, online to be on to some degree trackable traceable devices covid kind of pushed that like to the point that now kids are getting tablets and things and there's a lot of good that comes with that technology gives us a lot of good that we both have careers because of technology um but there are some risks and some considerations and it seems like what the last year plus at least Leading up to the election with the BLM protests, there are a lot of there's a there's a lot being put out there under the guise of safety and keeping people informed. And if you say anything different from that, we're seeing people getting pulled from YouTube, getting pulled from Patreon. Yeah. Um, I don't know that in my first my first familiarity with technocratic censorship um, was when Jordan Peterson got pulled off Patreon. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about I, that? I know a little bit from what I've heard him do on podcasts. Um, he basically just got branded an alt-right crazy person. And then... He's like a history professor, right? He's insanely smart and open-minded. He just... He got in line with... Um, I think something to do with gender and, and then they just attacked him and just turned him into something he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he basically was nobody. I mean, he was just a, a regular guy, a intellectual, and then overnight kind of blew up and was just hated by so many people on the left. I'm not clear what that inciting incident was. I think I, I, I can't really recall either. And it'd take me a minute to look it up. Maybe somebody will comment on this thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I had understood it was like some sharing of a Nazi speech, but maybe I'm not sure at all how accurate that was. I know that my understanding was he's some kind of history professor and he was discussing maybe something along these lines. Um, what was interesting with that, and I think this is like over a year ago, might have been two years ago, something somewhere in there. It's been a while. 
Um, the thing that's interesting with that is that he was pulled off of Patreon. Patreon is, uh, for those that don't know, a third-party service where um, people essentially pay for some level of membership to the content that you provide. Whereas on YouTube, maybe it's a little more acceptable. Maybe the idea that you're protecting people from the public because it's something that's used for free. Like there may be a bit more in my mind, there's a little more justification for pulling someone off of YouTube. If you feel if you truly feel they're a public threat, which is debatable and hard to define. Mm -hmm. Um, But with something like Patreon, where people are paying for the content, what what was interesting, um, there is uh, a colleague of my husband's. He uh, the last last American vagabond. He is on Patreon and they didn't pull him. They told him he had to take down one of his videos. Mm -hmm. And it was like, why are they telling him to take down his video? Like, it was just sort of a weird, like, you have to voluntarily take down your video. Like, they couldn't make, but we kind of realized it's like, they can't pull it because people paid for it. mm. Um, So that's a little bit different because that's sort of like telling someone, if your business is a restaurant and you sell steak and seafood, like people come in for steak, you can't sell steak anymore. Or yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, it's probably a better analogy. But. No, yeah, I, I know what you're getting at. Um, so Patreon, I haven't that much experience with with it. Basically, it's just a platform that you can put content on. That do you have to pay a monthly fee to them? As a creator, no, no. And then they just well, here's what they so this is how it works. So as a creator, like, um, and there is really a ton of cool stuff on there. I know a lot of people that know it through crafting or know it through poetry or whatever. I happen to know more of the alternative news folks. Um, there's one lady. Um, I don't. I was fascinated by this. She makes crocheted bees. That's it. And you like can pay for a membership. You get like a crocheted bee a month. <laughs> like bumblebees? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, I did not subscribe. But <laughs> I was fascinated that this was like such it's such a specific thing. Like and, and it's kind of an easy thing to use an example. Um, so, you know, she had like three to five levels of membership. I forget what they are, but for like at the one dollar level, you get like a mini bee. At the two, you know, t- yeah. at the ten dollar level, you get a bumblebee. I don't yeah. know. And at the, you know, at the $10 level, you get like a newsletter or um, some private other content. But how does Patreon generate any money? This So um, at whatever levels you set as the creator, Patreon takes a percentage. Same, and pay, you can do the same thing on PayPal as well. You can set up like a, a subscription. It's kind of like eBay, but for creators. Because if you post yeah. stuff on eBay, you have to pay a percentage to eBay. It's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very okay. similar. So, yeah, they probably have something written in their terms of service where they can request that you remove or delete or they can ban you. Well, and terms of service updates have been turning over like every week in the last couple months. Yeah. But see, where does that pressure come from? Does it where is it coming from society, from what they think people want? I think um, I think it's government. You think it's from the government? Um, I mean, well. It seems to me that there's a movement and people want to jump on board because it's profitable. If you align your company with whatever that vein is promoting, you're more likely to get other people to jump on with you. Like if you if you're Patreon and you ban Jordan Peterson, 
all those people on the left that you want to start a conversation with. To the yeah, to the right. You're like, I see what you're yeah, saying. Great job, you know. Yeah. Um. Well, that's an interesting question. I don't actually know it what my answer is. I do see a large, it's been coming for a long time and it's something I've heard a lot of the alternative news um, folks talk about technocracy, technocracy. And, you know, and two to five years ago, it was like, maybe, I don't know. But then in this last COVID year, and especially through this last crazy election, we start with the banning of Trump from Twitter. I mean, he's a, he's a moron who, purposely publicly embarrasses himself. I I think he's sort of a purposeful villain. I find Mm -hmm. it hard to believe that he's, I mean, in some way he's authentic, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know what his, um, what his truth is. And I certainly don't like the way he speaks and presents himself. Um, but I don't, I don't personally believe like Twitter should have like pulled him off. And I I guess that was, that was user pressure. That actually wasn't the government. Yeah, um, I think it was even internal as well. Yeah. Well, there was. I. Uh, what was the? So there was a. They were getting emails from their employees like, "We need, to, we need to stand up for what's right and and take him off here." Well, and prior to that, there was also the Jordan Peterson was the first kind of like, "Oh, this is happening." My alternative news friends are correct. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then the next thing I remember, I'm sure there are others, but the next like memorable thing it was uh, Zuckerberg's Facebook situation. He was like, I don't, I'm a social network platform. Why should I be censoring content? Yeah. Which I totally agree with. Uh-huh. But it was like three minutes later. Oh, God, children don't believe the Holocaust is real. We have to start censoring. <laughs> I don't exactly know what happened. That was my yeah. like third hand perception of yeah. what was going on. Um and did they start? I don't. I don't know if Facebook pulled anything, but I think they started doing like warnings. Like if you, like I'm kind of getting on Instagram now, where if you post anything about COVID, it'll like link you to the CDC. They don't. Like, You're on a list. Probably. Like, <laughs> um, I imagine these lists are really long, but now they're all tracked by computer. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know how much, you know, more to say other than I remember reading 1984 and I remember reading Animal Farm and I remember what happens in the ends of those books. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You can't have anyone in control of that stuff. People are going to say crazy shit until the world blows up. There's people who believe the earth is flat. There's people who believe (laughs) that the moon landing was a hoax. Yeah. Those things might be true. I don't think they are, but they could be. And you need people to be able to say that those are things. The you can't Stanley, just stop. The Stanley Kubrick footage of the moon landing stuff did kind of have me going, hmm, maybe. Like knowing what we know about movie making. Yes. Uh, <laughs> There's all kinds of crazy theories on everything. And when you start to silence people, that's suspicious. That looks like you know there's some other truth and you don't want it to get out. You well, can't. You can't just stop people from talking about stuff. That's how you come up. That's how you cure cancer. And that's how you find penicillin growing. Uh, Penicillin grows in mold, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. I believe it was discovered on bread mold. I'm not. Yeah. Um, Talking about a lot of things I'm not an expert on. But but I have the right to share my ideas. Exactly. (laughs) And that's that's what's special about the human race. And I think, uh, you know, you and I come from uh, an interest in a world – based on creativity. 
creativity is what makes humans unique to all species on earth. And the, the ability to share ideas is what that's our like special power. Yeah. Um, I think the sticky wicket comes in when we are using these third party services. And I mean, you can take that all the way to the internet. It's like, I don't know. I don't know how to like raspberry pie myself up an internet. Like, <laughs> do we have the right to that? Like yeah. does whoever, I mean, does Comcast have the right to pull the plug on content they feel is unsafe or immoral? Yeah. Unsafe is one thing. How you decide something's immoral is another. Um, yeah. I these don't... are not, I mean, there's no absolute truth. There's no provable absolute truth. So how do For you sure. determine what's to be censored? I think I think what's most important, like the most important approach to censorship in my mind should be at the individual level. It's like I think CNN is a bunch of pharmaceutical funded uh, mind control. Mm-hmm. I limit it as much as I can. <laughs> like, it's good to see what they're talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Same thing with Fox News. Yeah. Like you want to see what each side is yelling about. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I think maybe that's what someone at the top is worried about, that, that everything is so influential now that it'll just get – they'll just run away with it. Like, if they allow people to say crazy shit, they could eventually build a following, and then it will just run away, and then you can't control it anymore. But I think you're hitting it with control. I I don't totally understand or know what what the motivation would be to keep the populace controlled. A lot of people have a lot of really good ideas on that one. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean – what we're seeing, I mean, to be real, what we're seeing now with censorship is anything that is against COVID or against the CDC, against the WHO. Mm-hmm. Um, some say the CDC is like, oh, they're the most independent government agency we have, which doesn't inspire much confidence in me. Mm-hmm. Um, if you say anything that's, if you just ask questions, you're sort of attacked. And then to a lesser degree, I think we were talking about this. I don't think you're all that into social media other than po- like posting about this thing. Yeah, I don't really go on it. Um, it's not that's good smart. for me. That's the be- well, that's that individual censorship I was getting into. Super smart. Probably keeps your brain nice and healthy and yeah. your heart. Uh, <laughs> I kind of can't help myself. I've gotten off of some platforms, but especially when I move to a more rural area, like I love people. I'm always interested in like what's going on. Um I posted something about having friends who visited who were not vaccinated and were not masked and were not socially distancing, like in response to what I see, like saturating my feed is just a bunch of people excited that they got their vaccines and sharing it. And it's like it's like it's like it's not even about health anymore. It's about being part of the club and doing your part and being a patriot. And it reminds me very much of like. Um, as much as I love the graphic of Rosie the Riveter, it's like, women, get to work. Like, yeah. we're going to push feminism into this idea that everyone's a working two-income household and nobody's home with kids anymore. Yeah. Um, that, it, it's, it's this getting back to this idea of control. It seems to me there's some type of narrative they do want to keep control of. Um and people are scared. They believe 500,000 people have died from COVID, and that is scary. And it is hard to to not be a doctor or, like, a credentialed journalist 
and ask a question of what I'm finding in just in my own uh, peer group. Mm-hmm. Um, it's people feel people have told me they feel attacked when I bring up these questions. And maybe, I mean, to some degree, it could be my approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't feel like asking the question. We have a vaccine that by its own makers is said to be 90% effective against symptoms of a virus we have less than a 1% chance of getting. Yes. And it's also, I mean, I have very little to no faith in the FDA. As you know, I have a strong background in being anti-GMO and a food activist. Uh, And that folds itself right into the pharmaceutical um, industry uh, because a lot of these companies are parallel and – the FDA has been complicit in approving GMOs in the late 90s, and, and there aren't studies funded on uh, – there There are connections. There's a lot of great work that's been done by this guy, Jeffrey Smith, um, on – he's been able to share information and studies on health problems we began to see, like leak – there's this – it's kind of gross uh, – <laughs> um, leaky gut and um, like gut ailments that typically would happen with um, elderly people Mm -hmm. shortly after the 90s when GMOs were sort of snuck into the food supply um, started happening with teenagers and Mm 20-year-olds. And conventional doctors were like, this is crazy. Like, why in the world would a 16-year-old have the stomach problems of an 80-year-old? And it coincides with that timing, but I, this, and I've been out of that, that I was really involved in that, like 2013, 2014. So this information may be updated, but at that time, no, the only funded studies on GMOs were funded by guess who? Monsanto, right? People that make them, whether it's, there are other companies and it's, but it's Monsanto is the easiest because they got, they, there was a marketing campaign against them. So yeah. I look at that and I have a, ba- a background with that. And I have a background with how the FDA has cycled through um, uh, f- former Monsanto executives. Uh, Michael Taylor was appointed by Obama to the head of the FDA. Super ethical. Um, if you're going to start talking about morality <laughs> and censorship, maybe we should be looking at who we elect and appoint and who's in our government. Hopefully, a lot of everyone should be able to agree with that. Um, and I believe Biden actually just appointed him to the USDA, which I find really interesting. Speaking of marketing and campaigns, which we were talking about last night, um, the new thing is plant based. And of course, I, I abhor um, industrial meat farming. It's terrible. It's terrible for the environment. It's terrible for the animals. It's terrible for our diet force animals to eat food that they do not properly digest. Mm-hmm. Then they give them drugs so that they don't have the problems associated with that. And then we yep. eat all that mess. Mm-hmm. Then we have all those problems. Yep. Um, so I do, I believe this sort of plant-based push plays on people's like good intentions to not support those entities. They now mo- know more about. You're, you're talking about impossible burger. Yeah. Stuff like or that. Like beyond burger or, yeah. um, which speaking of it's, is it impossible or beyond? I think, I think there's two. I think there is two. Um, one of them specifically has an FD and a uh, fake blood, not approved by the FDA. That's like some kind of soy globin, something or other. It's a substance that's never existed outside of a lab until mm-hmm. it was put in this food. Um, so, you know, from my experience in research, these are along the lines of the same people making and manufacturing pharmaceuticals. Not that there isn't good medicine out there. 
Not that diabetics don't need insulin, not that good work hasn't been done. I just think it's a really good question. Should people not at risk for COVID, especially under 60, Mm -hmm. be taking an experimental vaccine, mRNA vaccines that alter your DNA? Mm -hmm. There's been very few human studies on this. <laughs> and the animal studies, I think that date, they there are studies dating back twenty years or something. I forget. Um, is is that a good idea? I have a neighbor that wanted me to give her eighteen year old son a ride to get the vaccine, and I wanted to help her out because I want to be a good neighbor. But mm-hmm. I was this close to kind of saying, you know, I kind of don't know that I condone this, so I don't know if I like. And it he he actually ditched the appointment, so mm-hmm. I did. I, she wasn't. I wasn't able to give him a ride because I couldn't pick him up. But <laughs> but why is an eighteen year old taking this yeah. thing? That's to and then and we don't even know that it stops transmission. We know that it lessens symptoms. Which for people at risk, which well, I'm still skeptical of. Which- yeah. See, when I when I first heard about it, they said that you still have to wear a mask after getting the vaccine because you can still transmit it, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, why? The only reason to get it then would to be to protect yourself. And if you're a young, healthy person who takes vitamins and exercises and lives a healthy lifestyle, you have Eats no well. you have no reason to be concerned. <laughs> So yeah. therefore, in my opinion, I don't need to take it. That may not be right. I don't know. But I don't feel like I need it. I feel like it's for older people who could potentially die. Because like we were talking about last night, um, on the CDC's website, it says 97% of COVID deaths had other comorbidities. So that's diabetes or some other afflicting Heart disease, condition. Cancer. So they're not dying from just COVID. 3% mm-hmm. died from mm-hmm. just COVID. Everyone else, th- their body is already ripped apart. And I'm not saying those people should just die or something, but like the reason they're dying from COVID is because they're going to die anyway. And it could have easily just been the flu, which has miraculously disappeared. Yes. We'll see. And- <laughs> because we're locked down. The flu has, this is what... Some of my peers are trying to tell me. Well, (laughs) to go on the other side of that, like I could make an argument that masks are beneficial. I haven't even had a sniffle in 14 months, but is that what you want to do? Do you want to walk around your whole life wearing a mask to protect yourself from some sort of thing you could get? Eventually, this is what I don't think people understand or they really consider. Like we are, we are flesh and bone. And it is the job of everything around us to kill us constantly. <laughs> Something's always going to try to kill us. Well, Viruses. also things trying to protect us, like our own immune systems. Exactly. But if you're, if, you're, <laughs> if you're walking around all the time not being exposed to a number of bacteria, you're weakening your immune system. Right? Not to mention, like, oh, I always get these, this word wrong. It's um, the non-alcoholic sanitizer, triglosin. Try Someone out there can correct me. Um, Triglosin is like a neurotoxin. (laughs) Overexposure to that will cause serious problems. It's not going to put you in the hospital the way like the way that COVID is portrayed. But over time, it can cause some pretty serious problems. And constantly saturating yourself in sanitizers or bleach kill just like everything that's trying to kill us. We have a 
lot of bacteria yes. and a lot of things that are trying to protect us and keep us safe all the time. And maybe sometimes we do need to interfere. Like penicillin's good, you know, or it was for me as a kid. I used to get strep throat. Um, maybe, maybe some of that's good, but I we know, like, the CDC has even talked about uh, overexposure to bleach and sanitizers. Not recently yeah. that I know of. Um, and we get, well, and it's not, it's not just that. I mean, it's their neurotoxins and perfumes and fragrances. Not So it's not even just the chemical compound that makes down, makes up the sanitizers or the bleach or whatever they are. It's the stuff they just put in there to make it smell pretty is yeah. freaking toxic. And my mom, my mom has multiple chemical sensitivity. She, um, it was, it's, I think it's been quite the trip for her because she used to have to wear a mask and still does from time to time to protect herself from those sorts of toxins because mm-hmm. she's extra sensitive and they are detrimental to her. Um, so then when people started wearing, she finally was like, she, part of the reason she moved to New Mexico was to be in a more healthy environment with better air and that kind of thing. So as her health improved, it's like, she's been here for like 10 years. Then all, you know, she used to be the weirdo with a mask in the store. Mm-hmm. And then it was like now everybody's having to wear it. Like she kind of doesn't have to wear they it. They stole her style. I totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's like she kind of doesn't have to wear it anymore, except now they're like making her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's just a, an aside and, and kind of a perception to these ideas of um, what it what it really boils down to for me, down to for me, is um, this idea of health. What is health? Uh, when I believe it was like March 9th. I can pinpoint the date. Um, my old job, they always had CNN on in the cafeteria. And they had uh, a doctor in a lab coat, so you know he's legit. Um, and they were taking questions from the audience about COVID. And the first question was, is there any medication medication I can give my child to make them less susceptible to COVID? I have strong suspicions about this question that anyone from an audience actually asked it. I don't know. Maybe they did. Um, and he, what did he respond? He, he said a lot of stuff and basically said, no, there's no medication you can give. The best thing is to like stay isolated, stay, be using your, um, clean all your surfaces. This is kind of before, I think now people are generally like not as worried about surfaces and stuff. There was a minute there where people were like bringing their groceries home and washing them all off and everything. Um, but yeah, basically he's saying the best thing to do is isolate and sanitize yourself. These things are not good for humans. They are not good for the environment. They are not good for your immune system. I heard from the mainstream, mostly like CNN, I would suppose, um, a little bit about exercise. Like the only reason to leave the house was to get exercise. And that is the only positive like immune booster I heard from mainstream, from who? From CDC. Yeah. There's nothing on nutrition, which is... It's been a huge problem in the medical industry for as long as I've been paying attention. Oh, that's that's the other insane part of the whole equation is that no one's telling anyone to be healthier or to make sure you get vitamins, uh, to eat better, uh, to go get exercise. Well, let's get back to the heart disease and the diabetes. Uh-huh. How many people does that kill a year? I don't actually know that number. It's over 550,000. Is it? COVID was number three. Oh, so yeah, there are two so... causes of deaths <laughs> in 2020 that were higher than 550,000 oh, people. My goodness. And I, I believe it was heart disease and um, cancer. So we're telling a country that's filled with 
people suffering from diabetes and heart disease to stay put and sanitize themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and every time I drive through or, or oh, and if past- you get a shot, go get a Krispy Kreme donut. That'll oh, help your yeah, diabetes. You're talking about that. <laughs> Everybody's just trying. I think some people are genuinely trying to do the right thing, but I think most people are just latching onto it and capitalizing on it. Because that's the only way. Or worse, that's latching a- onto it and giving campaigns free endorsement. Yeah. I hate seeing women I respect who are mostly women. Mostly women are on my social networks. I'm a girl. Uh, <laughs> um, I hate seeing women I respect and I know are smart just prostituting themselves for something they wholeheartedly believe is safe. Like, I know that they believe it and I I can sympathize with that a little bit, but I don't, I don't think they've asked good questions. And I think I was too late in asking them Mm -hmm. to some degree. Um, And I've always kind of been, I've always been that person. Uh, But kind of getting back to that censorship thing, it's like people are, I think people who who think against the norm are starting to feel like they can't say anything in public because it'll yeah, get jumped down. For sure. My throat will get jumped down. Um, I hear parents say it about their kids. I um, I put up some posts about having people visit and not not obeying all of the, the suggested guidelines for not getting COVID. We were visited by two friends who are in our same age group, pretty healthy folks. Like, uh-huh. um and the interesting thing was on that post, there were a handful of people that shared information that they really, um, that they were really sincere about and like really um, were genuinely concerned. The majority of the comments were extremely negative. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of, yeah, there, you always get those in any audience. There were a couple of people that just started insulting each other, like mm-hmm. totally unproductive. Um, but my point is the interesting thing was people who, thought it was terrible that we weren't following the rules posted publicly. People who agreed with us messaged me privately yeah. because they're afraid to say anything publicly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not like, that's not the government telling them they can or can't or no, it's Instagram like some, or Zuckerberg. It's like that's some weird shame campaign. Post, it's peer pressure. Yeah. 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 That, that's, that's the problem. You're not allowed to deviate from the accepted idea narrative it's all about narrative which yeah it, it it's all getting tied in the the one thing that um i was thinking about before we did this that uh, i wanted to talk about just briefly was um galileo hmm. in um the indigo girl song i love that song <laughs> in uh and sometime 1660s ish 16 1615 for anybody who doesn't know, Galileo, at that point in time, uh, everyone in the world believed that the Earth was the center of the universe and everything rotated around it. He, through science, figured out that that was not the case and that we were actually orbiting the sun. And he was um, tried by the Inquisition, found vehemently suspect of heresy, and forced to recant. He spent the rest of his life under house arrest. So he had an idea... That was different from the norm. And because the church did not agree with it, they fucking punished him and kept him in his house for the rest of his life. And he had the idea, or he he discovered the truth that no one else accepted. 
This is the point of silencing people for shit that's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't do that. There are ideas. I certainly agree. And it, I maybe shouldn't be laughing because it, it, we could be going down a road full of serious detriment. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when we start talking about vaccine passports. Vaccine passports to go back to work, vaccine passports to travel, vaccine Mm -hmm. passports to go to a fucking concert. Mm -hmm. See, I thought we might touch on this and I wanted to just like try to do both sides Um, because you have to get a number of vaccines to go to public school. You have Mm -hmm. to get MMR, uh, chickenpox, um, polio. uh, I mean, there's 15 of them, whatever. Mm -hmm. The goal of a vaccine is to eliminate smallpox, is to eliminate diseases that were so horrible for the human race. We found a way to eliminate it. We put it in everybody. Nobody has to deal with that anymore. That's awesome. The fact that we don't have people dying from smallpox anymore or at a very, very lower rate than they used to um, is, is fantastic. And I get it. And I'm not by any means somebody who doesn't believe in vaccines. I think they're wonderful. But when you have a situation like this with something that over the course of time has been proven, there's data on government websites proving that this is something that affects older people with weakened immune systems. And then you're just going to push something like this out to everyone and through social media and other means like, force them to do something and nobody can talk about it. It seems so fucking crazy. Um, people who are talking about it that make their livelihood from talking about ideas are losing their livelihood mm-hmm. because of censorship. Well, yeah, uh, your, your friend and his friend, uh, they are in fear of losing their shows, their, mm-hmm. their podcasts and their uh, YouTube presence because they could be well, shut down. Um, m- most have voluntarily left YouTube at this point. Yeah. So I, I think uh, – I forget who the – someone was shut down and then basically it was like, oh, why are we even here anymore? Mm-hmm. So, uh, just, you know, I think it's a re- it, you know, it's a relationship. It's not all one thing. It's like you, we – people in the alternative news or, you know, even if it's not news, whatever your thing is – you are in an agreement with YouTube. If you decide you don't agree with what they're doing, then maybe you should get off of there. Um, it's not, you know, it's not technically illegal, you know, but it's just, it's 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 uh, some kind of applied pressure. It's it's like all the shit that happened with Cardi B. You know about that? Uh-uh. Where That's... she just she played um, the Grammys or the MTV Music Awards, some some fucking award show, and she in the performance is like barely wearing any clothes and like grinding on this girl and doing all this super hardcore sexual stuff. Is she the one with the like pussy song or something? Yeah. I Wet think I pussy. saw some memes. I know yes. it from the meme. Exactly. <laughs> Cause that's the world we live in. Because of that song <laughs> and all the controversy it's caused. I mean, she was famous before that, but it fucking blew up and you have all these angry parents, like writing emails to the FCC and whoever, like we need to, we need to eliminate her. She's ruining our children. It's like, that is a form of entertainment. There are any number of things that could uh, contaminate your children or, or make them deviate from the path you want them to. Like, that's your job to help them out and explain things to them. Like, you can't get upset at somebody for creating something 
and try to get mad at them because it, it ruins your life or it ruins your kid's life. It's like you can, you can go buy a carton of cigarettes and smoke your fucking lungs out. Mm-hmm. That's legal. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not a good analogy. Well, but it kind of is because there is secondhand smoke. So it's sort of like a transmissible virus in that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little different, but it kind of works. It's like, I don't want to, I mean, people don't, and that in smoking has been banned largely in public places. Mm-hmm. And I think if a private business wants to do it, do you remember um, Jake's in Portland? Jake's, it's like a seafood whiskey yeah, yeah. cigar bar. I don't remember how it turned out, but when the um, smoking ban happened in Portland, they uh, they fought it because they're half a they have some whiskey and cigar bar section or something. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't remember how it turned out, but it's you know I don't really like being exposed to to cigarette smoke. Sure. I don't really like being exposed to other people's perfumes, but there's no that's not there's not enough mainstream on that. Um, but if a business is a perfume store, <laughs> yeah. They should probably be allowed to spray perfume in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we just got to decide what if if some things are acceptable, then everything should be acceptable. If you are going to put that on people to make a decision to buy cigarettes or to buy alcohol or to get a porn addiction on the internet, like you can't draw the line. Some you can't allow some things to be acceptable. And other things not. Well, this this gets back into that sort of relationship idea because the argument I largely hear against something like that with like, um, you know, cigarettes with alcohol with COVID, it's like the burden you're putting on hospitals and society. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of a legit thing. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Same, no. same with I remember when um, when I lived in West Virginia, I don't think seatbelts were the law when I was a kid. I think that I lived through that changing. Really? And I remember... Someone making that. I had a really smart English teacher. Shout out to Miss Crambiel in 11th grade, RIP. Um, she was the one that kind of, She looking back on it, she was definitely way more of a socialist. But I think for me, I'm always fascinated by, I was surrounded by um, church-going conservatives. Yeah. Um, for better or worse, I think I've always thrived, like, I've always thrived in environments where conflicting ideas are being presented. Um but that was – I was like, oh, like why should – I? because my my instinct as like a 15-year-old and also you're a teenager at that time, you're like, I should be able to do whatever I want. Like, <laughs> um, I'm so smart. <laughs> I have this all figured out, you guys. <laughs> um, uh, if, if someone doesn't want to wear a seatbelt, it, it should be their choice. I still, I still believe that. But I think the point that like as long as we all agree that we're and, – and this is – probably in contention with some, as long as we all agree that we're paying taxes for hospital services and people putting themselves at risk is using our money, that is that is something that's out there. I mm-hmm. mean, we're part of a, a nation, a society that pays into all of this. So that that's where these, I think that's where these sl- slippery slopes are. And it's like, where's personal freedom versus burden on society yeah and then when you, it's a spectrum though it's not just one or the other when you get in, <laughs> when you get into that conversation about masks and i'm not an anti-masker like I, I wear a mask all the time i don't care if if i do it because it's the social norm and it's what people expect and if if it saves lives then i'm all about it that's totally cool but you run into this area where there are a lot of people who don't want to do it because you're infringing on their freedom and from their perspective, I understand it because it's like, 
If you are so terrified of catching a disease, then then find a, a basement a yeah. and and just be a hermit. Like you ha- you are taking risks every day of your life, uh, driving to work, eating food from the grocery store, E. coli, um, flying on an airplane, like skydiving. I mean, swimming in a lake, like every fucking thing you do, you could die. Hanging out with children. Hanging out with children. <laughs> and they're all little germy things. Oh yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> they're just sticking stuff in their mouths. That's how I build my immunity. <laughs> you, you're gonna die. Mm-hmm. And people are so terrified of dying, they want to try to control it in one way or another. But they're you so can't. terrified of dying, they're not living. Yes, yes. The fucking Bob Dylan quote: "Get busy, get busy living, uh, or get yeah, busy yeah. dying." Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know why people are so fucking terrified right now. It, it blows my mind. It's they not have a lot of media pressure. I mean, when I said the government, I think. The CDC and the WHO, and I recently heard the figure, and it was so big, I can't even, I didn't hold it in my mind, that, like, the funding put into campaigns for vaccines to encourage people to get them was, like, in the million, five million or something, um, which maybe isn't a lot for a national campaign. I don't really know, but... Uh, but why? To save old people's lives? To make money for the people manufacturing the um, vaccines? To get people used to complying, perhaps? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's... Well, and this is is somewhat controversial among my peer group, but something I've been seeing, if you... I come from... I have a degree in mass comm, which I'm not saying means much. What is that? Mass Mass communications. Okay. Um, And I don't know how much of it I truly absorbed in college, but my point is... I've made it a point to study media, to study. I was always fascinated by it. I was always into like um, storytelling. Yeah. I think it's essential to the is essential as a good diet, and obviously, like it's a large part of spirituality, um, and it's an enormous part of advertising. Um, so when you start scrutinizing certain campaigns and peer pressure and kind of all the things that we're talking about. Uh, Something I see in a lot of these themes coming from a home where we were chemically conscious, we were food conscious, um, no additives, no preservatives. It was like super fun to go to a friend's house and eat a sugary cereal. Like <laughs> you guys have twinkies. <laughs> uh, my uh, my best friend always had pops at her house, and I was like, oh my god, that was my jam. Nice once in a while, you know. Um, there has been this idea. Through marketing, I guess, or through uh, through the culture, through the zeitgeist of, um, in my mind, this idea that we we our body bodies don't heal ourselves, that we should be more dependent on um, the medical community, uh-huh. that we in, in in the ways that health is discussed, it's like. And part of this is, you know, we come from the convention world. I sat in a lot of medical conventions, so it might have swayed what I think. But it's like health is discussed in terms of we have to make sure people get mammograms. We have to make sure people go to the doctor, go to the doctor. And that, and I hear that in my among my older family members, not my not my mom, but like extended family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, oh, the doctors keep us healthy. And n- not that they don't, but 
as an industry and how I just went through this medical journey with my dad over the last three years um, as he had two strokes and then eventually some blood clots that uh, eventually led to his passing. Mm-hmm. Um I had so many doctors take me aside and talk to me, frankly, about how insurance companies have more say over what happens to people than doctors do. Because my dad had like the, you know, cheapest possible Medicare plan that he could afford. Um, And that, I mean, I'd I'd had inclinations about that and and, in the medical community, but I experienced it firsthand going through the hospital system and rehab and nursing home stuff. Uh, in none of those places, the thing that struck me the most, and I get a lot of flack for this because people are like, you can't just eat raspberries and not get cancer. It's not, (laughs) I don't believe it's quite that simple. Um, but the way that I was raised, thank you, mom, uh, is that, you know, nutrition is like the building block of our health. That is what it's all about. And even like, I wasn't necessarily the best at like flossing and brushing, but uh-huh. I always got an amazing. My dentists are always like, "Your teeth are amazing," and that's because my, my mom fed me when I was a kid. For I sure, think. maybe For genetics, sure. a little bit genetic, probably a lot of it genetics as well. But um, I think it has a lot to do with diet. For um, sure. Have you ever gone to a hospital cafeteria? <laughs> I I have I have some friends that um or a friend who would give her daughter juice at night. Yeah. Like apple juice or orange juice, like something sugary, so sugary, and yeah. all her teeth fell out. Oh by no! By the time she was like ten years old. Oh. Yeah, like her her real teeth, like oh, the yeah, adult ones. She has significant issues. Wow. It has so much. I, obviously, you have to brush and you have to floss and. Yeah. and, and I flossed for this. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I did brush my teeth, Your but teeth I did are not. Floss. Always so shiny. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, that is very important. I don't think. I don't think people, they don't really look into it that much. And I'm honestly, I don't eat that healthy either. I, I I've try. seen your Cheez-Its at the tech table. <laughs> I th- Actually, anytime I see a Cheez-Its display, I think of you. Well, okay, good. And, and Rich and Billy. Yes. <laughs> um, but you have to, you have to try to limit the things you know are awful for you. Well, and that, I mean, that's personal responsibility. Yes. Uh, and this, but see, that's, that's, the, that's the problem is that I think. I think for the most part, people just want to do what they want to do and then have a pill they can take to fix it. Right? I think a lot of that is going on. Let me just wrap up my my lengthy point. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> going to the cafeteria in the hospital, literally, this is Albuquerque, New Mexico. I don't know if it's like this everywhere. Um, there are Pepsi logos on the floor. The hospital cafeteria is sponsored by soda. <laughs> What does that tell us about health? What does yeah. that tell us about the healthcare system? The hospital's so poor they're getting money from Pepsi or, I, you know, I don't know exactly what's going on. I know that that's not healthy. I know that that doesn't promote health. I know that you just said diabetes and was it heart disease? I forget if it was heart disease. Heart poster. disease and cancer. Um, oh, was it cancer? Not you said diabetes. Uh, diabetes is up there, but <laughs> in the in contributing to people's health. and. Yes. That's directly related to diet. For the most part, there are people, there's type one where people are born without insulin, um, without being able to produce insulin. My dad was type one. Mm-hmm. Um, type two is the one that's the epidemic and it's mostly treated, as I understand it, mostly, I'm not a doctor. This is not medical advice. Um, this is a conversation. <laughs> Everybody listen. This is a conversation between two people. We're not, yeah, we're not legal. Fact check legally. the shit out of this. <laughs> um, 
but that I think you're right, and I th- I th- I think we want to lean. I th- I think a lot of effort has been putting it put into making people think this way. But I think at the end of the day, we're responsible for our thoughts and actions. Whether mm-hmm. it's I'm sy- sympathetic to the fact that people are pressured. They're pressured to maybe have a family, support that family, and they maybe make compromises they didn't think they would when they were 16. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I see it in my friends and peers and coworkers. Uh, there is, there is this desire to just, just take a pill for something. I, there are people who are really helped with, I mean, I, I worked in theater and art. There are a lot of people with <laughs> various things that really do need medication <laughs> and find help through, through those. Yeah. Um, but there's also, I mean, when I, when I talk with some friends about like when they go to the doctor, it's sort of like, Oh, did they ask what you, about your diet? And it's largely no. <laughs> no. no. Um, and I, I worked with, um, a girl that I, I quite like. Um, she's maybe 22. Um, and she was in a job that was way over her head. We, we don't have a, maybe delicate about how I tell the story. Um, there's not a, a wide, uh, pool of eligible workers in this area. Um, this chick is college educated, super smart, went to one of the severed and sister schools. She's actually over in Cambridge in the UK right now. Um, she got a job in sales, catering sales. She'd never had that kind of job before. She basically showed up, uh, this is an events environment and, um, I'm trying to be careful not to reveal like or embarrass any, uh, any company or people, um, she basically showed up uh, as a, an assistant to a wedding planner for a wedding that we had on a property. And she was so efficient at that, they were like, why don't you be our catering sales manager? And it's probably a great job for her age. She's like, she was kind of taking a break between undergrad and grad, living at her parents' house. And it's like, it's a it's a corporate banky job. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had no idea. Like, she she's very young. And I don't know if this is typical of millennials or not. Um, but she was, like, afraid to talk to people on the phone. Hmm. And of course, and I, I work in audiovisual sales and we share, sorry, we share a cubicle wall. So she would hear me on the phone and she started coming over and asking me for advice. <laughs> and then I was like, you probably want to call the client. She's like, call the client. What? <laughs> so she was fine in person, but on the phone, she, she couldn't do it. She preferred to text. And we don't, most of, um, most of the events we plan for are, we're a kind of a leisure destination. Uh-huh. Um, so most people are off site until they're here. Yeah. So all of the planning is not in person. Um, so email or text. Yeah. But uh, where something where she can calculate all her thoughts into one. Yeah. And then send it. She was good about yeah. email. She would have me proofread her email. Um, <laughs> anyway, I grew quite, quite fond of her because I was like, I was sort of a mentor. It was fun. It was fun. And, um, and it, it made a job that I found really easy and boring, like more fulfilling and entertaining. Uh-huh. Um and now I'm going to share personal information about her that I maybe shouldn't, but she, she was really stressed out. She, um, wasn't treated great by her actual boss. Mm-hmm. And, uh, honestly, she probably should have been reconsidering the job, but she went on drugs like antidepressants mm-hmm. <laughs> and to, to tolerate the job. And it didn't, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's more going on in her life and that kind of thing. But I just have it again, have, going back to friends I have in the art world who are a little more 
demonstratively uh, struggling with personality disorders mm-hmm. or something like that. It's like, she's not that. And everyone's different and I'm not a doctor and I don't know these things, but it was just like, that was like the first, like, I don't know that no. it, instead of like talking about stress management and no, you know, I'm probably the only person in her life that was bringing up anything about any of this. No, uh, there's a lot to be said for that. I think the majority of something in someone's life that they think they need a solution for could be changed if they just changed their situation. But there's definitely, there's definitely chemical imbalances, mm-hmm. but it, it makes me wonder, like, what did people do forever before they invented antidepressants? Like, they just were miserable? Maybe there, were le- maybe there was less depression. Yeah, maybe, maybe there was. Maybe there wasn't as much to worry about. I don't know. I, I just do... think, I think, like, Van Gogh, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Van Gogh was supposedly extremely depressed. Would he have gone on antidepressants? And if he had, would he not have painted the awesome shit that he painted? great question i think we've actually talked about that before <laughs> have we maybe i don't know why i always go to him but i do he's a he's a great example of i mean look at the work that he turned out and he's like this tortured i mean we see that in history a lot tortured souls yes, like create sure. great work yeah. emily dickinson like uh-huh. um virginia wolf uh sylvia plath uh, <laughs> yeah um i forget what i was Antidepressants, pills. Well, oh, sometimes the stuff can get like really heavy. And um, something that gives me perspective is like stepping back and really thinking about the human experience. And it's like, oh, we used to like, to some degree, this is like a broad stroke approach. But I mean, it used to be like we have and some people still struggle with like proper shelter and this, that and the other thing. But we're not exactly being chased by bears anymore. No. Like, I think as a species, we've largely eliminated a lot of natural threats, at least in the last 200 years. I think there's as far as the history of pharmacy and medicine, I mean, it goes back maybe 500 years. Fact, fact checked us. Um but I mean, there's there are stories in oral tradition, and I'm not I'm not a big I'm not big into the Bible, but the Bible has people in it that lived hundreds of years or something. Native tradition has people who lived <laughs> or something like like it, yeah, it was like you were a youthful ninety nine year old or you know, uh, and other cultures have that as well. And I feel like I hear a lot of folks say, "Oh, but with modern medicine, people live so much longer than they used to." That figure, as far as I'm able to to discern, is relatively recent mm-hmm. last seven several hundred years um so i don't really buy into the idea that like oh medicine has saved us i mean industrialization introduced a lot of like disease germs stress that kind of thing humans have always had stress and i think it's the th- i think the thing the thing of it is i think we've largely eliminated a lot of our threats and now hum- we are kind of our own worst threat we are, yeah we, we- <laughs> We're creating our own psychological <laughs> threats, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how much that plays into anxiety and depression, but I, oh. I suspect it does. Yeah. Like if you go to the doctor and you're you're a 15-year-old girl and you're in high school and everybody's just talking mad shit about you all the time on Instagram or whatever, and you go and in I there. I can't imagine being a teenager oh with God, social I media. Can't, I cannot I was, imagine. I was definitely bullied. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> But, I mean, imagine you go in there to the doctor. The doctor's not going to be like, oh, well, you know what? You should just get off social media. You should stop using – that's that's why you're depressed. 
Mm. That's not going to be a solution. The solution is going to be, let's get you a, I am drawing a blank on names. Let's get you an antidepressant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like we. That's an interesting idea. We, you're right. There's nothing that is really threatening us day to day. We, we don't, I mean, forever, all we had to do was find food. Get snacks and stay warm. Stay warm, <laughs> make babies, and not get eaten by a fucking cheetah. Yeah. <laughs> okay? We don't have to worry about most of that stuff anymore. Yeah. Now we're just like. Well, and there's like infertility epidemics too. I mean, that's, get because you said make babies, it's like. A lot of the chemicals that are out there are large, like insecticide, fungicide, pesticide, um, and even some of these, like the fragrances and neurotoxins in our um, Elfin Beauty products, are linked to infertility issues. And I, that's definitely something. You know, I'm 40 now, so I've gone through a cycle of friends. You know, way more friends struggling with infertility than I, I think should. I mean, you go through the teenage years or 20 year old years and like most of my friends are like, oh, my God, I don't want to get pregnant. And then it's like 30 something. Oh, my God, I can't get pregnant. <laughs> well, you're not supposed to. For for ever, you you were supposed to have kids 18, 16, 17, 18. Maybe 13. That's yeah. too young. You're, in any, I mean, in any age, I think. Oh, 100 percent. But like that is when. <laughs> That's when you're growing. That's when your body's developing. That is when all those hormones are just like out of control. Mm -hmm. That's when you're supposed to have babies. And everyone knows that's not when when you want to because your brain. Do you not trust science? (laughs) I trust science. (laughs) That's the cool thing about science is that it constantly (laughs) changes. People figure something out and they say, this is what it is, but I could be wrong in a couple years. Keep fucking Mm -hmm. working at it. Mm -hmm. That's what's so cool about science. And people that like try to say that. Oh, this is the fucking thing that's happening right now. This is this is written in stone forever. No, mm-hmm. that's not how it works. It changes. That's what you do. You constantly check it and test it and try mm-hmm. it until somebody proves you wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what if what if they find out gravity's not real? Like, what the fuck? We thought gravity was real for 500 years. Is it all magnets? It's all magnets. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I got kicked off YouTube for saying it. Um. Uh. Did I? Fin- I don't know if I finished my um, my idea about narratives. Probably not. Did I probably I probably cut you off. Yeah, no, you're fascinating. <laughs> I'm easily led astray. Um, to, but just to get back to that, because it kind of folds into this idea, is um, what I see largely the the messaging I see kind of coming from. Dare I say the state, the media, and when I say media, I mean like news media and Hollywood, um, and especially. I had always kind of had these inclinations growing up that it's like, well, my mom says a diet is like a good diet is is like the most important thing and not ex- getting overexposed to chemicals is like a really important thing. And um, but, but most of what I hear is about like going to the doctor, like, you know, pimples, retinol, like a, a lot of that birth control for your skin, uh, like <laughs> which and maybe that all worked and maybe people are grateful for that. Um and then, you know, there, there, here and there, there were these things. And then, you know, when I, I worked on um, the, the campaign, national campaign to, to just label GMOs on a product, to just put a label that a product contains GMOs, because mm-hmm. this was 2013, 2014, and GMOs have been in our food supply 
since the 90s, and nobody knew it. Yeah. And I think people have a right to know what's in their food. You could also argue that maybe we shouldn't be buying this processed food. That's, there's a lot going on there. But um, it seemed pretty straightforward to me. Like, you love GMOs? Great. Buy the thing with the GMOs. Then at least you know they're in there or whatever. Um, and the campaign failed because a lot of money was poured into convincing people that if they put label, if they changed the label on the packaging, it would cost too much and it would impact poor people. Hmm. They and changed the labels and put caloric information on it and then... They change the labels every freaking time. They make the box smaller and pretend and keep it at the same price. Yeah. That's been a grocery trick for as long yeah. as I've been paying attention. It doesn't cost money to change the label. If it, I mean... That's that's ridiculous, and that is why that campaign lost because it first went to ballot in California, um, and I was like, "Hmm, that's like it's mo- you know money, money controls the system, money controls the government, For like sure. the people who are participating in it." Um, and and then in this, you know, things really accelerated. I got furloughed from my job in August 2020, and then really started hearing a lot more, like paying a lot more attention to things. Cause what else am I doing? Uh, <laughs> besides traveling around the country. Um, I was, I was at a friend's house and I was wa- watching, um, Mulan, the live action thing. Have you mm-hmm. seen this? I have seen it. Yeah. I don't see much of this stuff, but uh, you know, in light of BLM, which a lot of, there's a lot of people doing really great work, um, kind of inspired and under the moniker BLM. Uh, but I feel like it's a, it, I think it's exploiting people's good intentions to push some sort of agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that in Mulan. Um, you have, it's all about like, oh, I'm a woman. I'm not accepted. So I'm f- this woman fakes being a man to serve her country in the army. I think she doesn't want her dad. Her dad's older and she doesn't want him to have to go. Yeah. Um, and then, so they're the two main female characters. This our hero, and then our anti-hero, who's with Genghis Khan, and she's like this kick-ass witch who can ninja people to death, like lickety split. <laughs> um, so the you know, there's this kind of camaraderie that's formed with our hero and our anti-hero, and in the end, our anti-hero is killed because she's bad. She's with the bad team. She's with Genghis Khan, and our sort of the whole th- there is a really great theme in like be your true self mm-hmm. with two that's kind of spoken to the hero through um the anti-hero but at the end of the movie what really struck me it was like even when the state's completely against you you should defend them <laughs> yeah and there's been a lot going on to make me think that way but that's that's the theme of that movie and whenever i look at any i don't get to see conventional media all that often these days but when I do, that's it, there's some kind of status thing. And I feel like the last election, it was like, Trump is such a monster. We've got to get him out. And I was attacked by acquaintances in Portland and friends in Portland, like via email um, and text for voting third party. I voted third party all my life since uh-huh. my first election. I yeah. voted Ralph Nader. Uh, <laughs> and I wouldn't take it back. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I think for... The, for America to truly be successful with what's going on. And I don't, and I don't know that it can in my mind. Um, I think there needs to be room for a third party 
or, or third party like question asking or third party thinking. I think people get uh, this idea that it's Pepsi or Coke. It's one or the other. They're not as involved in their local elections. It's easier to win that way. Uh, that's true. And people like to win. That is kind of maybe some part of our human nature. I think <laughs> I think they should have um, instead of the primaries, they should just say the top 10 candidates from any party can run. Hmm. Then you don't have a situation where like everybody fucking hates Hillary and they want Bernie instead. Like you can vote for Bernie. And that was bonkers. That whole thing. And BLM had something to do with, there was some BLM scandal with Bernie that kind of, I feel like did him in, but. You mean during uh, Biden? uh, No, back when he was running for presidency again, or running for the primary against Hillary, whatever. BLM was around then? BLM has been around since like 2013 or something. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, there's, there's so much that needs to be done to the process, but the the issue is you have the people in control of the process who have to change the process and they don't, there's no incentive to do that. Like to impose term limits on Congress people. Like why the fuck is Mitch McConnell still in office? Why is Nancy Pelosi still in office? Why is Chuck Schumer still in office? All those people. And how many drugs are they on? They're so old and they've made a career out of, out of. Saying things that don't really mean anything. I don't, uh, when you went to the conservatory, you probably, I don't know if you had this, you probably had more passionate teachers. When I was, and share your experience, but uh, when I was in college, and even, and maybe more so high school, public school, you get these teachers who are like so out of touch. I had a graphic design teacher who meant well, but she was so out of touch with the art world. And it was like what she was teaching was like not something you could really get employed on. Yeah. Uh, I feel like politicians are so out of touch. I don't know how they get voted in. <laughs> That's the problem. It's, it's all about name recognition. And as soon as people see either the R or the D mm-hmm. next to the name, and then they see the last, oh, I know him. I've heard that name on Fox or I've heard that name on CNN. Like they don't, no one reads the fucking the pamphlet that comes in that tells you what people actually support, they vote for the fucking person well, they know. I read some of those pamphlets. They don't really have I read any it, actual information. I read it for the first time uh, in uh Oh, the Multnomah County, or no, I used to, the Portland Voter's Guide is actually a, a book. That was it's, way different than what I got in West Virginia. <laughs> I, I read it for sure. And I, I have an interest in that stuff to a certain extent. And even I was like, I don't like this is like a novel in high school that your English teachers making you read that mm-hmm. you have no interest in. Mm-hmm. But I was like making myself read it because I wanted to see what it said. Something I love. I, one thing I love about Oregon politics is voting from home. Like being able to look things up yes. while you're voting is yes. and, amazing, and, especially because it's like you can know who you're going to vote for and go into a booth and then it's like. Measure forty eight sixteen regarding land ownership and a trust, and you're like, I have, n- I, I don't know what this is. Like, <laughs> being able to like have the voters guide and go, you didn't even bother to mail in your like. Did you see that? You probably. I remember that always cracked me up. There'd be candidates for something that actually didn't mail in any information. <laughs> I was like, wow, well, like, eh, <laughs> probably not going to win anyway. Whatever. Uh, that's, that. The whole country should be doing that. Yes, that is the strongest argument for. A lot of why, people are choosing not to. Vote. Why? <laughs> why is it on a Tuesday in November? Because it has been forever. It's related to um, the the harvest. Because the farmers had to finish their harvest, 
Same and, reason we're still doing this stupid time change. Yeah, it's fucking insane. Except Arizona. Something like they'd finished the harvest on Friday and then they needed three days to get, or maybe they finished it on Sunday and they needed an entire day to get to the polling station. So that's why we do it on the Tuesday. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's fucking archaic. It's ridiculous. And so we still do it that way. And then you have all this discussion over um, how you need to make people stand in line for eight hours. When your job won't give you the day off, it's not a national holiday. We celebrate Columbus and Lincoln and fucking Grandparents' Oregon Day. Oregon and New Mexico don't. And others. It's Indigenous Peoples' Day now. Oh, okay. Well, good. <laughs> Columbus was a, was a turd, so who cares? But what I'm saying is, like, we have all these holidays that don't matter, and you can't, you can't gotcha. have the second Tuesday in November to go vote for the president. As a, as a national holiday, obviously, what the fuck it's are we like doing? it's so important that we vote. So, and that's the I mean, that was the messaging. I started. I mean, I was I was definitely liberal leaning um, as a youngster. Um, I think most most values held in like the realm of social justice are things I find are important: loving people, people being equal, equal opportunity. Even though everywhere I look, public schools, Medicare or healthcare, I should say. Um, there isn't, there's not, I mean, it's not realistic. There is no equal opportunity America wide. I don't, and I don't know how achievable that is. Um, I forget where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> Somewhere good. Oh, voting, voting, voting. Um, if voting, so we get all this messaging and the whole, like the cool thing is like rock against the vote and all the musicians that yeah. get involved in like rocking against the vote and like... <laughs> Making myself relative to the young people, and young people have to vote because they are the ones that vote the least, um, statistically. Uh, I began to kind of go, why am I like, if why are we pushed so hard in that way to vote, but the accommodations aren't made? Yeah, I think that I had never actually thought about that. Yeah, um, I have so many other problems, I hadn't made it that far. Like, no, <laughs> with people, the electoral system, people only bring it up and they only care about it for a few weeks before the election, and then nobody ever talks about it again. Well, and this is kind of what I was getting at. This is like part three of my narrative thought. Uh, <laughs> through the 2020 election and everything that happened, like Trump was such a monster, it's so important to vote him out. There's that is that is acting in fear, not acting in love. And philosophically, for me, that is not it's not true to who I am. And I I, I didn't vote for Biden for a hundred and one reasons. I didn't vote for him either. Uh, <laughs> I didn't and I vote. Was, I was oh really? Yeah. Um, I voted third party, but honestly, my heart wasn't in it. I just always am like, I want to give third party a chance. Most of my most of my friends that I really uh, politically respect don't vote anymore either. Um. So there's that. But uh, my my friends back in largely back in Portland um, were like, we've got to get Biden in this. Is, like Trump's such a monster. And I, I I don't know if he was purposely a villain, if he's really like I, like I said earlier, I don't know what his truth or authenticity is. But I think getting back to this theme in Mulan, trust the state, even when they hate you. Like, I feel like people were scared into voting for Biden. Mm hmm. And I feel like people are acting on getting the vaccine because they're scared into getting it. Mm -hmm. And for whatever that's worth, it's like what I see is the state is manipulating people through fear to achieve what goal I don't know. But that's what I see. Because a, a, a fearful population is more complicit. 
It's so gross. It's very <laughs> gross. But that's how you control people. You you make them scared. That's why, and I've said this a hundred fucking times, that's why you don't see a revolution in this country. Because people are afraid. They're afraid they're going to lose their job. They're afraid they're going to lose their house. They're afraid their kids aren't going to be able to, like, there's so much they have to lose. They will not do what's necessary to just fucking burn it down and start over. They just rather, they just rather keep going. This is, it's not that bad yet. It's not that bad. Well, do you, um, I have a question for you. Do you think we would have possibly seen um, <laughs> I was kind of enjoying it and then thought I should maybe just wait till it was over. Um, do you think we would have seen revolution if we weren't getting stimulus checks as people are getting laid off? And I are, don't, I don't, I could be totally wrong on this, but I don't think there are that many people who need them that are getting them and it's making a difference. I think you're right. I think I got I'm, a check. I know. I don't need the check. I know so many people kind of in your boat. That are like, I don't need the stimulus and they are giving it to charity. So they are doing things they feel are more appropriate with it. And a lot of it, because it's what I've seen, this is anecdotal, um, what I've seen with people I know, folks who basically already paid their taxes and have their direct deposit connected, mm-hmm. like they split, it happened. So who's like, who are the good taxpayers and the good, like, it's like the good working, hardworking Americans. And even with, um, uh, with signing up for unemployment, uh, working in the events world, you're one of the lucky few that still has employment. Mm-hmm. Um, most of our friends have been laid off or put out of work for yeah. the better part of this last year, mm-hmm. not more. Um, and I was uh, talking with uh, the IATSE president mm-hmm. uh, back in Portland, and she had, you know, she's been keeping herself busy helping people get on unemployment. So when I moved here, I got this like fancy corporate job and they're plugged into all the things. And there are some re- – formerly, I mostly worked nonprofit or government jobs in audiovisual or events and a small bit of freelancing. This was my first proper corporate gig. There are some real benefits. They moved us. They like – you get like financial rewards. I got a career wear budget, which I was really into. Uh- <laughs> Sweet sweater. <laughs> um, and also they're an enormous company. So when I applied for unemployment, I took for granted how freaking easy it was. Cause it's like, Oh, who's your employer? And I'm not technically fired. I'm furloughed. And I, I don't, I don't understand all the ins and outs, but I know that when I brought up the unemployment stuff and my employer came up, it goes boop, 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 and it all automatically plugs in and it's good to go. And I didn't have any issues. And everyone who works in a gig economy, which is the majority of my colleagues, they have no idea. They're like having to scramble to get all their proof of uh, employment which, you know, when you have a gig-based lifestyle, you're it's hard some you're probably super organized, but a lot of us aren't. <laughs> it's hard to be that organized. You know, it's hard to have all that stuff at the ready because the majority of what you do is like take a call and say, yes, I'll do the gig, because you want the money. And, you know, and people love the work and and there's a lot of reasons people choose that lifestyle. Um but in 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 light of what happened in 2020, people who have that lifestyle, it was like impossible for them to apply. And I mean, and there's a reason that and the, I'm talking specifically about gig workers who are in the IATSE union. 
it sh- it's like they're members of a union. They are getting help from the union, but it shouldn't be. And I, I work and this gets back to money talks. It's like I work for this giant corporation. I was totally taken care of. My situation is actually pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, aside from not having fulfilling work or whatever, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty lucky, all things considered. But like all the people that I, you know, know and worked with and have strong affection for, it's like they're struggling to just get what's theirs. And they absolutely 110 percent more need that stimulus than I do. For sure. I know I know lots of people who have multiple kids and never got laid off or anything and they're getting six thousand dollar checks. Whoa. Yeah. You get you get <laughs> fourteen hundred per kid. Which I mean, not that you can't if you have that many kids, it's not like you can't use that money, but you uh, yeah. see and I could I could go at it from either direction. Like I think I think it's easier for them to just give it to everybody because they don't have to check anything. It's just like here's the fucking money. But it's only getting Put it to in Bitcoin. who it's easy to get to. Yeah, but what it does is it stimulates the economy. Because the people who make less than 75 a year, they're not saving it. They're spending it. They're mm. getting a new TV. They're buying a new fridge. They're taking a vacation. Like that is the point of it is that it stimulates the economy. And so what it does is it makes Bezos that much richer because everybody's buying all their shit from Amazon. So <laughs> it's they like read the Washington Post. <laughs> it's good for some reasons, but then you have people like me who don't need it. I'm not going to like return it. Like I'm going to take the $1,400, mm. you know, and I'll hang on to it and I'll use it for something I need. I but, was thinking um, about paying off my car. I think a lot of people do that too. I think a lot of people paying down their debt, which is mm-hmm. good for everybody too. But it's weird when... Except for the debt getting generated by exactly. the government, which is now becoming our burden. Or Exactly. Well, and forever, they're always like, oh, we don't have money for that. Oh, we don't have money for that. We can't clean up inner city uh, gang neighborhoods. We don't have money for that. Well, they just fucking created... $3 trillion out of thin air and gave everybody money. How do you not have money? You could do whatever you wanted to. I don't think we actually have that money. No, the it's, thing. it's, it's <laughs> exactly. It's not real. It we, I mean, Amer- America. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It doesn't exist. Just create it. Yeah. Well, so getting back to that question, if we didn't have the stimulus, do you think we would see more revolution or you just think, you think not that many people are out of jobs? No, I think this country, every person who is not wealthy is a future millionaire. That is how, that is how there are so many people placed in certain mindsets for their entire life. And that's why people don't want to help poor people because they're taking from them. You are an eventual millionaire. I'm an eventual millionaire. I just have to work real hard and I'm going to be a millionaire. No, it's not going to happen. Probably not. Probably not. It's very difficult to be, to reach that level of success. And then once you do, you can fucking blow up. You can invest mm-hmm. and make all kinds of money. But for the, for the most part, me and you and all the people we know, we're in that, that threshold. And we will always be in that threshold. We could go down. We could slightly go up. Um, and when you have a situation like this, you have a ridiculous amount of people who are just scraping by constantly and they don't have the, the, the forethought 
to to really do anything with it. It's like a, it's like birthday money. You know what I mean? Like you're not like what people are doing with stimulus. You mean yes. or money and all? Um, yeah, I mean, you're not. Nobody's gonna get that fourteen hundred dollar check and turn themselves into a millionaire. It's just I do know people investing in like Bitcoin and I bought like Bitcoin that. with mine. <laughs> I know someone that bought Pfizer uh, stock. Yeah, that might be a good one. <laughs> I don't know that she did that with her stimulus, but. So I have a friend that came into some money recently, I think an inheritance, and she's like, I'm not I'm not for pharmaceuticals, but I invested in the pharma. I was like, I, I I have heard in my life that if you're going to invest, do it unemotionally. So that might yeah. be great advice. Uh, <laughs> if you have money, if you have money that you don't care about losing and you don't need it now, that's the best spot you can be in. Then mm-hmm. you just place it. It's it's the exact same thing as a 401k. Like you're just putting money into something every month that you don't know exists and it will hopefully pay off in 40 years. That's, that's how I view other investments too. I need to get smarter about investing. You just have to like throw money somewhere and then <laughs> forget about it. Yeah. I, well, I, um, there are people in my life that I might've, thought weren't as smart as me. Uh, and they, I mean, when I look at um, how they do for themselves financially, I think the thing I see that seems like one of the better investments is real estate. I don't know about right now. Like it is not a buyer's market right now. Um, but I do think it was like, oh, maybe I should have like invested in land or, and that, I think for me, that's sort of what I'm looking at. Cause that's like a tangible thing that I have, but I, I'm not. Could have. I'm not an expert or professional or anything, but it just makes sense. Like this is just a conversation. This is not investment <laughs> advice. Uh, nobody should take my advice ever. <laughs> I feel really bad for you if you take my advice. Um, uh, I do love the saying. I was just saying this earlier. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. Uh, if you want to be like someone, take their advice. I think that's the best advice I've ever heard. Huh. Yeah, that is true. Um, land is the best thing you can buy ever. There's a finite amount of it. It's always going to go up in value. Fucking, I was walking. <laughs> I thought I was going to open this with all the, the crazy Lyft, rental car. Oh, your journey Ridiculous bullshit I had to deal with in this trip. You'll find goods and services lacking here. You will. <laughs> I was walking from the hotel to a Starbucks to get uh, a sandwich because I don't have a car. Because you can't rent a car in Albuquerque or um, Santa Fe. And the Lyft, there's like three Lyft drivers in a town of, how many people live here? 300,000? 200,000? That sounds a lot. decent. A lot. A lot more than should. <laughs> I don't know how you can't call a Lyft, but I couldn't. So I was walking to the Starbucks to get a sandwich and a, a coffee. And I passed this parcel of land that's in the fucking ghetto. It's next to a bunch of awful houses in between a road and a highway. Nah, and, and there, somewhere where it's not safe to be walking, probably. It was probably, da- it was a little dangerous. But <laughs> I see this for sale sign and I was like, I got transported back in time to like, uh, like the Wild West, you know, and people riding around Pioneer on horses. Days. Yeah. And you could just, uh, Anytime, I always tell my kids this, anytime you, you could be like in a town and you could get somebody pregnant and you could just leave. (laughs) 
You know what I mean? Happened a lot in my family. I found that recently. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not saying that's a good thing to do, but like nobody, nobody knew who you were. You just get on a horse and ride 25 miles to the next town and you tell them you're Jim Bob. And they're like, cool, Jim Bob, you want to work in the shop over here? Like you could just become anyone you wanted. Um, Anonymity. Anonymity. Uh, And so I'm passing this parcel of land and I'm like, this is, this is like, uh, I don't know, a hundred by a hundred lot. It probably is worth $300,000, $200,000 or something. That was just like a place somebody rode through on their horse and maybe like threw a dip out or I don't know. They probably didn't have dips back then. Uh, probably. It was probably just raw tobacco. Maybe, right? I would think. It's so They're crazy. riding down from Virginia and they got their big sat- tobacco <laughs> satchel. I got that, that, that satchel of Marlboro. <laughs> Marlboro. But that's that's what's, finest. that's what's so crazy about land is like, if you, that is, if I could do anything in my life, it would be to stand in one place for 1 million years and just see what happened. You know, like a time lapse of that'd what happened. Cool. That'd be fucking so cool. Cause somebody's going to buy that chunk of land for who knows how much money. And it's a piece of shit. Like a ridiculous amount. Yeah. And like, in yeah, in a hundred years, I can't touch any property in, in Santa Fe. <laughs> yeah. It's insane that you can have a little chunk of land like that. That there, you can't grow anything there. It's just sand and and tumbleweeds or whatever. I am surprised there are a lot of there's uh, there are things that grow here. There's like uh, obviously peppers, um, peppers, right? Yeah, uh, and a lot of like not your winter root veggies. Pecans are a big one. That's in Colorado too. Really, um, beans. You can grow things here. Cactus. <laughs> Cactus grow. <laughs> I feel compelled to say, or what are they, the um, sequoias? Or are those the... Those are the redwoods. Those are the redwoods. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the cactus that's like the... It's like the Arizona cactus. With oh, the, yeah, yeah. Quintessential. Yeah, yeah. I forget what they're called. It's like sequoia, but it's different. It is. Those are not in New Mexico, I feel compelled to say. Those are only in Arizona. Really? They are not in New Mexico. Because any person that comes from like Texas, sorry, Texas, uh, in most other places when they want to do like a themed party here, like for the jobby job, they always want to put those cactus cacti in. And it's like, that's that's not here. <laughs> that's weird that. Get the truth out. That it would be confined to a boundary like that. I mean, I don't know it's that it's be, like the state line, yeah, yeah, but yeah. they're much more prevalent in Arizona. I don't know mm-hmm. that there are zero in New Mexico, but I've never seen one. And that was one of the first things I was told when I moved here. <laughs> Those don't grow here. Like, don't tell anybody be that. Be legit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, I think that's a good spot <laughs> to wrap it up. I'm really glad you came to my hotel room to do this. <laughs> Thanks. It's not awkward at all. <laughs> You traveled so far. Thank you so much. Yeah. I was good. like, let's just do it on the video chat. I'm glad that you won't stand it. No, it's not the same. I can't do it. It's uh, it, when you were talking about talking on the phone with your friend that um, didn't like talking on the phone. Uh, I feel that same way about video calls. Like hmm. this is this is a million times better than if I talked to you on the phone or if we did a Zoom call or something. Agreed. This is I get to read you in real time and like try to you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there's too much of a time delay with the other mm-hmm. stuff and you talk over the top of people and everything i'm terrible about that yeah, I'm, I'm bad enough in real life like <laughs> cactus <laughs> cactus 
<laughs> well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. I have been loving your show, and it's awesome to be on it. Good. Thank you.